Hi everyone, I'm Karen Karitzer, CEO of the ARC and Ida Lewis, and together with Heather Evans, our Vice President of Development, we host the ARC Waves podcast. ARC Waves shares best practices and habits of diverse performers and leaders. These inspiring leaders are from all stages of the leadership wheel, from seasoned CEOs to emerging leaders, risk takers and innovators, for-profit and not-for-profit. Our guests are trailblazers, serving as beacons for those striving to be outstanding leaders in the disabilities field and beyond. Hello and welcome. I'm Karen Karitzer. During this episode of Arc Waves, Heather and I speak with our guest, Steve Gasner. Steve has been an active member of the Arc and Ida Lewis Board of Directors and also the Friends of the Arc Foundation Board. During his long tenure, he has been president of the foundation, vice president of the Arc Policy Board, and is the current president of the Arc Board of Directors. He serves on a variety of committees and is a proven leader for the agency board of directors, advocate for those we support and staff and is a prominent member of our community. Welcome, Steve Gasner. Thank you. We're so thrilled to have you join us here today. Thank you. Um, so we thought we'd start with our first question. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know how you got connected to us. So could you tell the listeners how long you've been with the Arcanita Lewis and what brought you to us in the first place? I want to say it's about 20 years. Um, I have a son with autism, and uh, he... he obviously uh, took care well was part of the services that the arc offers um, with that uh, also the the ceo at the time angela asked me to be on the the foundation which i said you know what it's time for me to give back and it's been jesus it's got to be at least 14 years since wow. i've been with the with the arc so and i kind of moved in different positions and what have you but um very, very impressed with the, the, the whole organization, and it's great great to be a part. Can you tell me a little bit about the program? Um, you mentioned that he came into your son, Evan. I believe Saturday Friends was the first one. Um, it's a very unique program, and it, it gives – it's kind of a twofold. Or actually, even three. It gives time for the parents to kind of, on a Saturday morning, go run errands while your loved one is being taken care of by the professionals. And you can bring your siblings, too. So nice. it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat, neat program because, you know, having, having a, a sibling with a disability, you know, and being with other uh, children your age or similar age are going through the same experience, it's really neat to have that connector, that program that helps them navigate through life. Steve, right. how old was he when he started that program? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I want to say probably five, six years old, but I'm not sure. I think there's, I don't know what the age they normally start at. Okay, okay. What's the age difference with your daughter and your son? Well, they actually have four. Four, okay. Okay. Um, my, my, uh, the, actually, the closest one is ten and a half months difference. Wow. Older than them. Yeah, they, uh, it's interesting. They, they celebrate the first Easter together. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. So it's your it's your son Stephen, Stephen who has he attended uh, Teen Time. Yep, he, he he as well as my daughter did at at certain times. But um, the other yeah, the Teen Time was uh, that's actually a very interesting uh, another program. As you age up, they have Teen Time. That's it used to be on Friday nights uh, or every other Friday night, and uh, my son would go and get get you know partake in the events or whatever they had and then my other son Stephen would uh, 
would volunteer. Mm-hmm. And he really enjoyed that and and playing with all the other kids and what have you. And it was really it's it's really a, a very good program. Well, it's still around. Yes. And um, so you you just gave a plug for that. So thank you for <laughs> doing your job as the yeah, other I mean, board I, director. Yeah, I don't know of any other program around. And it's, you know, again, when I used to drop them off and pick them up and the excitement that they had and the night that they had and the other children, it was, I should say young adults, actually. You know, it, I'm constantly reminded when we talk to people on these podcasts how much more we are unified by our commonalities yes. than by our differences. And what you just described, that feeling as a parent of being able to have the security of dropping your child off somewhere, knowing they're going to be safe, and watching them exit that location with a smile on their mm-hmm. face fills your heart with such pride, regardless of ability, disability, color, anything. I mean, that exactly. to me... Is what it's all about, and if we can help create that for people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have a location, absolutely, we're winning. Yep, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you our, our next question, Steve, and <clears throat> I think you sort of answered this a little bit already in a way. The Arcanida Lewis is a family-based organization with a rich history right here in our community. Our agency is now 67 years old and started with a group of parents wanting more for their children in our community a free and appropriate education, and alternatives to institutional care. How does the board carry on the vision and values of our founding parents? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, the board is, is comprised of obviously different, different uh, members of the community, but the commonality is, if not all of them, most of them have a loved one with a disability. So you talk about the, the history, that's how it started, because families were looking for alternatives for their loved ones. You know, that's the kind of the flavor that we, we, we instill, because they do have loved ones. And if they don't, they're, they're, they're part of that uh, community, whether they're, you know, a uh, special needs teacher or director at one point. You know, so they're re- we are really focused on the future, the future of our loved ones. So that's how we, we, we kind of move things along. We're all touched by it one way or another. Absolutely. Right? Do you think that gives a, a, uni- a unique perspective for a parent um, or loved one who has a child um, relative with disability to be on the, on the board, um, on the ARC board? Do you think it gives them a unique perspective? I, I, I do. Um, I'm not saying that, that someone who doesn't, could not be as as, as productive um, because there are obviously very a, a lot of facets. There's the financials and things of that nature. So having that those types of qualities, but um, I, I think it's um, it does impact you, and especially as as our loved ones get older and we look for different things for them, um, I, I do think it's 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 important. I think it's a it is a unique perspective, and I think it's a tie to the agency that you want it to succeed. You want the programs to grow. Absolutely, and it's important to you. It's important to your loved one, your child, to make sure that those uh, those programs continue to grow and succeed. Yeah, absolutely, and empathy is a difficult thing. So when you actually experience something yourself, you can much more easily empathize with those others who maybe haven't trod that road just yet, but perhaps are on their way. Certainly. During your presidency um, on the ARC Anita Lewis board, we went through the COVID pandemic. What did you learn about your own leadership going through something like that? And what did you learn about the organization as it navigated through this as well? 
Well, as far as my own leadership, I would say that um, it's pretty much a the agency itself. Um, I, I really I supported everything that they did, and it was just impressive to see the organization go through such a, a life-changing time that continued, and we were able to uh, adapt to whatever. I remember that one day being on a conference call, it seemed like every half hour because the governor was changing the rules minute by minute, oh, wow. and we had to try to figure out how we're going to take care of our individuals. Um, we went to shut things down and close things up, and you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's bothersome that we had some losses. Um, but I, I, I got to say that the management team got together, the, the staff, everybody from top down really put in uh, whatever efforts they could to make it as normal for the individuals as they could and made them safe as they could. It's amazing how, and it's, I think we're reminded of this every so often in a variety of different places in, 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 our, uh, in our world, but so much more here in the human services field we see this time and time again when when things are really rough people rally together wherever they are in the agency it doesn't matter if they're in the finance or board or direct support wherever they are rally together to figure out what we can do to mm -hmm. make sure people are safe absolutely and yeah. so we kept seeing that over and over again through covid people really stepping up to the plate and doing whatever they needed to do. They were concerned of their own health and safety or their families, but they showed up and it was a, an incredible thing to see. Absolutely. I have to just take a moment to just highlight again our direct support professionals throughout all of COVID as well. Absolutely. Um, as essential employees, mm -hmm. they really, without them, that continuity that you spoke of for the people we support, could not have been possible. You know, and I've said it before, you know, they're, they're a special person, people, I should say. Um, that's not a job you can do remotely. Right. You know, right. so they had to be there. They had to be. And, and, and it's so difficult with, with people with disabilities. They don't understand what's going on, and it's very hard for them, you know, to wear a mask and understand sure. why. Or, you know, they were working every day at their at their job, and now all of a sudden they don't, yeah. and, they, and it's it makes it that much more difficult, and my hat's off to them. I, I just want to say that during COVID and the pandemic, when it was you know at its toughest, and there was a lot of information that was being um, thrown at us at different points, and like you said, things changed rapidly. Within a day, you might have going from one one you know guidance to another. Your guidance, so in your leadership, in your choices to be present were to me so extremely meaningful as the CEO, but yep. really meaningful to the staff. You were out to every house. You were with us delivering goodies to the, the staff, thanking them over and over again. You had your own family, your own things that you were trying to deal with right in your life, but you were really present and it was on the weekends or evenings or Whenever you could do it, you were there. Thank do you, you. Do you think that that is something that you learned earlier in your career or from your family about really being present? You know, um, I don't know if there was something particular, but, um, you know, I, I, Maureen Bascom, the vice president at the time, um, I remember one Christmas that her and I 
you know, got some half moons and we stopped at six or eight houses and thanked the staff. I said, you know, you're, t- you're giving your time away from your family to take care of the people that, that we care for. Um, we could take a little time out of our family to come and thank you. So that kind of thing, and and even though I think they were scared that we came in, but um, (laughs) I hope they appreciate it because we really do appreciate what they do day in and day out. And then going back to your point, Karen, is that, you know, they, as you say, they were away from their families and it's a very trying time. No one knew what was going on. So I wanted to make it make it a point to thank them. That's awesome. Leading by that example, I think, is so powerful. And you know, it, it sounds to me like you almost hesitate to take on that title of leader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you know, humility is is a wonderful gift to have. Um, but absolutely hats off to you, Steve, because if I could be um, that sort of leader, that is how I would like to model myself. Someone who's really there and willing to get into the thick of it, just like Karen does with taking some shifts um, at some of our homes and really spending time helping out those direct support professionals where she can. Um I think or it goes gluing boxes or gluing boxes. <laughs> yes. <my> fingertips <laughs> um, more on that in another podcast, yeah. I guess. But uh, just showing that because at the end of the day, all you can do is say thank you. Right. But how Absolutely. you say thank you is really what carries the weight. Hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you may have already answered this, but try, try to find a different answer. Okay. <laughs> what accomplishments are you most proud of for the Arkanida Lewis? Under your leadership as the president of the board? I would say there are a number of them, but the, the one that I, I would say would have to be the, the, the top is uh, business enterprises right now. Um, My it's, favorite too, Steve. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I know you had, you had Chad on before too, and he's done a remarkable, him, Jim, the whole team have done a remarkable job with business enterprises. It's, it's, uh, it's a great f- program that allows individuals with disabilities to work, get a paycheck, and be proud of what they do. And, and besides that, we're growing by leaps and bounds. Um, it's, it's something that I, I, I hope maintains and, um, is a, a strong, maybe even like a profit center to help us give even more programs uh, and, and expand even further. I think in this day and age, you have to be able to look at the balance, right? You and I have talked about this, Steve, about sure. the importance of not only how do you grow and expand and, and in some cases stabilize those programs that are Medicaid funded, but how can you also... Um, grow those ones that are not so Medicaid funded and and really be able to balance that out financially but at the same time making sure that you're giving opportunities to those that we support so like you said you know how how many more people can we employ um, that will have minimum wage jobs Mm -hmm. um, and happen to have supports through our support employment program for example so I think constantly being able to look at that um, growth and in a variety of areas in the in the agency is is essential um you are on the business advisory committee that we have here as part of the agency can you talk a little bit about why you think that's been important to the development and successes of our agency and our business enterprises well it, it it's not only myself there's other there's another board member and another community member that's part of it and um having 
their knowledge more so than mine. Um, one's a business owner. Actually, they're both business owners. So um, that that uh, that committee, the advisory board, as we've called it, um, helps navigate through um, some of the challenges that we may run into. Any business runs into, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think that's that's really has helped, you know, put the glue together. Um, and and what what they do. What's amazing to me about that business advisory board is, like you said, the perspective that's offered of treating the business enterprises division like a quote-unquote real business. Absolutely. Um, It is a social enterprise at the end of the day, but it's an inclusive workforce that is teaching a continuum of skills with supports in place, like Karen stated. But how do we make that a real business that stands on its own so then it can become that revenue generator that helps pour finances back into the mission Absolutely. that we desperately need. Um, if if we treated it like it was something that couldn't fail, we wouldn't grow. Absolutely. So because you guys keep it grounded like that, uh, I think it does a world of good. You know, and we, we've talked about it. I mean, I wouldn't even have a, a, a concern about buying a for-profit business. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as a profit center to help with funding some of the unfunded programs that for some reason we can't, uh, we can't get them funded. But, um, that's another story, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would I would enjoy doing something like that. Karen, you know, this takes us a little bit off track, and I hope you forgive me, but Steve has obviously a very full plate in his role at the ARC here, and I'm just wondering, for people who don't know him, he also has a day job. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, he does. he does. And volunteers at other places as well, so I'm not sure how he's able to shoulder that whole burden. How do you balance it all, Steve? You know, it's, you know, busy people get more done, I guess they say sometimes, you know, um, <laughs> It is. It, it is a juggle, um, especially when my kids were smaller, you know, making mm-hmm. the baseball. Well, no one played baseball, but softball and basketball <laughs> and things like that. That was always, that was more of a challenge, but um, eh, you figure it out. Yeah. You figure it out. That's well, awesome. ties a little bit into our question here, um, because <laughs> you mentioned the many activities that Steve does. Uh, you are also on the board of directors for the American Heart Association. Correct. And have been for many years. Correct. What makes a successful board member for an agency, and how does someone find a board position that is a good fit for them? And we kind of touched on it earlier, I guess. Um, you know, as our board, having having a family member with a disability, um, it puts a little bit of different perspective in it. And um, you kind of have to you have you have to have the drive. You have to have a reason why you're supporting that particular mm-hmm. organization. Um, you know, with, with being on a heart association, obviously, uh, you know, I lost a, a close friend many years ago to heart disease. Oh, so that's sorry. kind of my driving force for that. Um, and we, we've done that. We've, we've, we've tried to get board members that, um, that asked to be on. And it's very, it's unfortunate, but if they don't have that, that connection to mm-hmm. the organization for whatever reason, they often, they don't find it helpful either mm-hmm. you know you really you, you need to have a nice match because you want it meaningful for the person that's on there as well as for the organization and if you don't have that that connection mm-hmm. it's no good for anybody right so you know and, and to that point it's okay to say you know what this isn't a right fit for me i've you given got it. it a try as, absolutely as someone who's a prospective board member let me see if i can find something else where i have a little more synergy yeah and you know in, in, in especially younger people um, they they want to get on boards and get involved in the community, and I think that's great. Mm-hmm. But just find something that you're passionate about, because you know it's it can be challenging, and you make some some decisions, and you want to make sure you're doing the best you can for yourself as well as the organization. 
think that's wonderful. In this community, there's many different organizations, human services organizations, and a variety of different um, things that they focus on, whether it's health and wellness or developmental disabilities or mental health, etc. Sure. You know, they run the gamut. What do you think is is um, has been important in this community to see agencies or organizations work together? For example, as you were talking about the American Heart Association, I recall, um, and we've done many times, is we really, as the Arcanita Lewis, want to be able to support that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people here that their health and wellness sure. is a, a top priority. I mean, not some people, all of us here, whether it's staff or the people we support. How do you see that um, working in this community? Do you see that a lot? Do you think that's important to do in a, in a community like ours? Or, or? I, think it's, I think it's more and more prevalent because of, of just like you say, the needs of the community. And, um, and especially some with these not-for-profits, you know, um, we'll use the Heart Association, like you say, you know, everybody has health concerns mm-hmm. or you don't want to have health concerns. So, you know, um, that, that cross-effort, is I think very important, and I think that this community really does a great job at it. I think so too. <clears throat> Even our own agency, with not only the American Heart Association, but we also work with Empower Pathways. Um, actually, we had Stephanie on as a guest a, a it's couple a great episodes connection ago, there. and that's you know important. We have staff who uh, may be looking for uh, resources through that agency for. Um, uh, you know, conflict resolution or dispute sure. services I, or, you know, supports for women and mm-hmm. women and children, the single moms. And, you know, and I think how we tie together with that agency and just say, hey, we have some employment opportunities here. Uh, you have people who are getting those job skills. Certainly. Uh, at your organization, how can we work together? I think that's so important yes. in this day and age is is not to have these sort of siloed organizations, mm-hmm. but you really have to work together and find those commonalities and how we can build yep. each other up. Can we create kind of a support network that overlies, you know, our area, and I think people can kind of tap into it, and hopefully sure. we serve as the the connecting piece and uh, can kind of function to help people find those resources when possible. Yeah. You know, and I'll, and I'll put a plug in for Stephanie, too, because I, I went through the, that program. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the, the, the uh, was it resolution? Mediation? Yeah, actually, I was yes. a mediator for pe- Peacemaker for quite a few years and then an arbitrator as well. Um, but the dispute resolution, the, the training is absolutely phenomenal, and I really it recommend is. it for anybody, especially in management. You know, uh, you're going to have conflict no matter where you are at some point in time. So um, having the tools to to help people take care of those those solutions mm-hmm. is really powerful. I think that's great. Just so people know, I don't know if I said this, but Stephanie again, who is the executive yes. director over at, at Empowered Pathways. A couple more questions here, and then we get to the really super fun lightning round <laughs> questions. <laughs> those are my favorite. Which is always a staple of our uh, our episodes. Um, what advice would you give parents who are new to the intellectual and developmental disabilities world? Uh, how do they get to know the organizations that can assist their child with services? Give us a call. Give a, give the ARC a call. Um, you know, they will direct you into the plentiful services that we have, depending on the age, the the ability, disability. Um, you know, uh, really. Uh, we, we have a lot to offer at every stage of someone's life. So you give us a call and, or go on our website, mm-hmm. inquire through there, and we'll get you somebody that will, will help you navigate. 
That's right. For anyone who's listening, the phone number and the website will be in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's great advice. All Absolutely. it takes is a phone call. Um, Steve, how can people get involved with supporting the Arcanita Lewis, and why should they want to? There's many ways. Um, financially is is always good. Uh, supporting us in our, our events, unfortunately, there have been few in recent past, um, like everybody else, but we uh, the foundation does put on a few events a year to educate the people, our community, as to what we do and how they can be a part. Um, also, too, we, we have committees, even our board committees or even the uh, the foundation committees to you can be a, a be a part of that and you know it, those are kind of nice because you can make a big impact with with minimal effort sure. sometimes you know everybody's busy but um, you get on one of these these committees and you know they might meet once a month once every other month even once every six months mm-hmm. but your knowledge your experience that you have and no matter what life you have uh, life you've taken um, is beneficial so we please i agree the more colorful the volunteers in terms of their experiences it. the more they have to offer absolutely. absolutely yeah and where would you like to see the agency be in the next three to five years we talked about business enterprises I, again uh, and i kind of mentioned it earlier too i would like to see us uh, grow and it's going to get such a big head. <laughs> <laughs> um and he's doing a great job at growing it um i think it would be neat to to either you know take on another business perhaps if we can um but uh, right now we're kind of too busy doing what we're doing but yeah i would like to see see that grow and um again become a profit center so we can help take care of some of these uh these other uh, programs that we have that's right awesome well thank you steve for sharing your experiences uh, with us and our listeners today so as we approach the end of the episode here we go. We're going to move into the lightning round questions now, and this is where Heather takes it on. That's right. All right. So, Steve, what is your favorite book? <laughs> I'll have to say this. It's uh, uh, Doctor, the Patient Will See You Now. It's a book by Stephen, Dr. Stephen Cusin. Uh, it was a collaborative with, with he and my wife typed it. Um, and it's, uh, it is. It's a very good book. It, 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 it talks about how to advocate for your own well-being and health wonderful that's awesome good is it available now oh certainly yes amazon sure i'm sure it's there (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um any other favorite books not not that i know of um I'm not. A, I gotta be honest. With you, I'm not really, really a big book reader. <laughs> as long as you read the one your wife typed, I that's think right. you stay out of the doghouse. That's the critical one right there. Yep. Um, how about? Uh, were you a member of any clubs in high school? I was not actually. If you uh, had it to do over, would you? Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like most people, school wasn't my my, my favorite uh, pastime. Really? Um, but yeah. Can, can you share what it was, or is that uh, for a different podcast? <laughs> what? Coach's Corner. Go that far. No, but I mean, when I was, uh, I had paper routes ever since I was like eight years old. Oh, so, really? yeah, doing having activities after school and things of that nature nice. just wasn't. Nah, it just wasn't. Industrious. Did you yeah. grow up around here? Oh, absolutely. You North did. Utica. So where was your paper route? North Utica. Wow. <laughs> on your bicycle? Yes, I did. I had many miles in the snow. That's great. <laughs> we'll, we'll check out your throwing yeah. arm later, away from the microphone. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite food? Favorite food? I have to say lasagna. Really? Yeah. Does your wife make a good lasagna? Do you make one? Or you got a restaurant you like? By putting you on this She does very good with it, yes. 
my wife. I love lasagna too, but my mom's special lasagna was Stouffer's. Ah. <laughs> right. My wife's would probably be the same. Yeah, it was very good though. Very, very good. <laughs> what was your first car? Mercury Zephyr, I think it was 1978. Wow. Did you start delivering papers from that? No. <laughs> I, I repaired it most of the time. Did you really? That's oh, God, very yes. cool. That's very cool. Do you have a favorite hobby besides fixing old cars? <laughs> um, actually, it's uh, I would say home improvement would probably be my, my biggest hobby. Unfortunately, I can't afford to fix it up as fast as I can, <laughs> as fast as I work on it. But, Do you have a pretty good uh, tool complement? Eh, it's okay. It's a... Uh, your basic tools, but uh, it gets me by. I know where to come to borrow a router next time I need one. <laughs> uh, um, what is your favorite season and why? Summer, because I can't stand the rest of them. <laughs> uh, uh, no, really, summer, I, it's, it's because you can get outside and, and enjoy the weather and things of that nature. Um, I'm not a fan of shoveling snow, raking leaves, or cleaning up the mud in the spring. So, uh, yeah, Steve, summer. that's what those four children are for. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> I, I told them years ago, I have, I have four snow, blow, st- snow throwers. I can't get started. Kaylee, Stephen, Evan, and Connie. <laughs> Darn them. They just need a little more gas in the tank, I guess. And you kind of answered this, I think, but I don't know. Maybe you started before eight. Did you have a is paper route? Paper route's the first job, yeah. Were you very popular in your paper route with that smile? I bet the ladies love to give <laughs> oh, you yeah. tips. Oh, yeah, that was it. I'll tell you, we had a paper boy at my grandmother's house, and it was the highlight because I grew up out in the country. So when I was there during the summer and the paper boy came, the paper boy's here, the paper boy's here. It was very exciting. <laughs> I hope you got that kind of reception. I, did, I don't recall that, but hey, maybe. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for being such thank a good you. sport with these questions. They're always a... A fun way to kind of get to know somebody a little bit beyond the the facade of, you know, board president. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great time. So I just want to wrap it up and say, again, thank you for being here, taking time out of your busy schedule to, to attend a, this and be interviewed for our, our Arc Waves podcast. You know, this is something that we've been really excited to do and to have you Excellent. on um, supporting this and uh, being able to uh, get you to answer some of the questions and the lightning round. We're really excited about that. So thank you again. Oh, I'm glad to be here, and I'm I'm, I'm happy for the the program itself. Um, it's a it's a nice nice outlet to get information out. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Disclaimer: The views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the Arc Oneida Lewis Chapter, the Arc New York or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.